This morning we'll be looking at a portion of 2 Corinthians, and if you're in adult Bible classes here, you're currently working your way through uh, the letter that we call the uh, 2 Corinthians, which, as you probably learned in Bible classes, is no doubt at least two, if not three or four of Paul's letters uh, to the Corinthian church kind of spliced together. And it's a marvelous letter because in it, Paul kind of pulls back the veil and lets his true self be seen in a lot of what's going on in his own life and a lot of who he is. Uh, He becomes very human in this letter, and that's always helpful to me, and I pray it'll be helpful to you as well. We're going to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Let's be standing as we hear the word of God. Remain standing then for the hymn that we'll sing following. Paul says, So we are always confident... Even though we know that, uh, that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence. And we had rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. But whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. May God bless the reading of his word. So how you doing? Good? All right. Kirk, Kirk is good. Just excited about today, excited to be alive, excited about this coming week, just can't wait. Right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. You know, if you're like me, and this is personal confession time, I guess, Uh, (laughs) I remember reading years ago uh, 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 10 statements that preachers can make that get them fired, and and one of those statements on that list was, today we're going to confess our sins and I'll go first. (laughs) I'm going to risk a little of that today. I'm not always up. I'm not always out of bed the first thing in the morning thinking, wow, this is going to be a great day. I I wish I were. I wish I were more like that. But those people who know me well know that there are times they come along and they say, how's it going? And I say, "Mm, not good at all. So if you ever share that kind of feeling with me, then maybe what Paul has to say can benefit you because I want it to benefit me. Because so oftentimes, whenever I'm going through a day like that or a week like that where it's kind of one foot in front of the other and not anything to really be excited about and really be up about, sometimes I'll think of the Apostle Paul, particularly if I'm reading some of his letters in like the Second Corinthians, and say, look at this guy. Look what kind of problems he had. For example, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians toward the end is going to list a whole lot of things that happened to him. He was in jail several times. He was beaten several times. He was shipwrecked. But really even more difficult, I think, than that was that the whole letter was written because this church that he loved so much these people that he had poured his life into and had tried so hard to help So many of those folks had turned against him and were talking bad about him. They were even making fun of him. They were making fun of the way he looked. They were making fun of the way he preached. And and you know, wow, 
How do you keep going with all of that? How do you keep going when things aren't going well physically for you? How do you keep going when the people around you keep putting you down? You know, sometimes we get down just because we think people are putting us down. But in Paul's case, it was true. Reminds me of a poster I used to have. It says, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean everyone's not talking about you. (laughs) You have to think through that. (laughs) And yet, as we just read, this amazing man Paul says, so I am always confident. Or a better way of translating that really is, I am always positive. I get up every day and think about this day and what can be done, and it's a blessing, and here I go. Well, the question is, Paul, how can you say that? How can you be that way? So I want us just to look at a few things he says in this little short passage and see what it is that Paul did, what it was about him that caused him to look at life so positively, even in the face of great challenges. Well, first of all, what we notice is what it's not. Certainly, what kept Paul up and positive wasn't that everything was going just like he wanted it to. You know, sometimes I get to thinking about that. If if everything in my life would just line up so that it was all going just like I would want it to go, then, wow, life would be wonderful. I'd always be happy. I'd always be up. I'd always be, you know. So I'm going to wait to be happy until everything in my life is just like I want it to be. Guess when I'm going to be happy? (laughs) It's just not going to be that way, is it? And Paul embraces that, that you can't wait to become a positive, confident person until everything is just like you want it to be. And one of the things he talks about here is life and death. Now, I want to take just a little turn here. We'll get back to where we're going, okay? But take this little detour with me. Because one of the things that Paul really has to deal with is that he has met Jesus Christ face to face. You ever stop and think about that? I have yet to do that. I look forward to that, but I have yet to see him face to face. But remember, Paul had seen him face to face on the road to Damascus whenever Jesus appeared to him and spoke to him and gave him his commission to go and to preach and to spread the word to the Gentiles. And then later on, as Paul's going to tell us toward the end of 2 Corinthians, is that one time he actually died and went up into heaven and saw things he said that just can't be described. And now Paul is back here living upon this earth, putting up with all the difficulties of life, knowing how great it is on the other side. Several times here in this letter and also in the Philippian letter, he says, you know, it would be so much better if I were already there. Do you remember when he talks about that? But he says, I'm happy to stay here and do what I'm doing here. He gives us three pictures about death and life. And so many times when I'm having very serious conversations with people, oftentimes it's when someone very close to them has just passed on. And a question that comes up so often is, well, what happened? How, what is going on with that person now? Where is that person now? 
And I wish we had scripture that just said, here it is, one, two, three, four. But we don't. But we get these hints and these pictures. And Paul gives three pictures here. He says, you know, living in this world is like living in a tent. But when we leave this world and go to the next, it's like we'll have a house. Isn't that a wonderful way of saying that? And you can just sort of sit back and and explore that of what all that means. How many of you have ever lived? I've never lived in a tent. I've camped in a tent. I can think of, of things. It's kind of fun. But, you know, when the wind starts blowing and it starts raining real hard and the sun gets up and it's really hot, it's not much fun to live there. And you think, well, that's kind of like what things are here, aren't they? That, you know, it's a good place to be. It's shelter. But, wow, a house. Now we live in a tent. Then we're going to have a house. And then he says it's also like we have clothes to wear right now in this life. But whenever we get to the next life, it's like we're going to have, we're going to be clothed fully, completely. We're going to have the real clothes to wear. And then his third picture is that it's like you can only have one home. And, and the Greek word he uses here is really interesting because it's the word home with a one, one preposition is away and the other one is with. And we really, I read about six translations, trying to find a translation that knew how to do that, and I don't think you can do it. But what he's saying basically is you have one home, and you can only be home here or home here. You can only be home in this life, or you can be home with the Lord. And he says, I wish I were home with the Lord already, but right now I'm home here. And he says, I'll make the best of it, and I will do what God has called me to do. Well, Paul is not able to face things confidently and up and positively because everything is just like he wants it. Nor is he able to do it because he understands everything that's going on. Anyone here ever asked the question, why? Yeah. Paul asked that too. In this little passage, he says, you know, We walk by faith, not by sight. And even though Paul had seen Jesus face to face, even though Paul had been to heaven and back, he still had a lot of questions about why things happened. He said, you never will get all those questions answered. So therefore, if you're going to wait to address life positively and and in an up way and confidently until you can understand everything, guess what? Not going to work. You're not going to get there. Well, if none of those things are Paul's source of confidence, what is? Well, we read it a moment ago. Let's read it one more time. Verse 8. We do have confidence. Yes, we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, but we're not. So wherever we are, we make it our aim To please him. The secret of Paul's ability to live life in a confident, positive way was the simple goal that he was living life to please his Lord. And for no other reason. He wasn't trying to please the people around him. 
He certainly wasn't trying to please himself. He didn't have all these other goals that he was aiming for. Now, I know there's a lot of things that you do in life and a lot of places you go, but his ultimate one goal was that today I want to be pleasing to the Lord. And you know the amazing thing about that is you can do that in any situation. You can do that in a jail cell. You can do that in a hospital room. You can do it at work. You can do it at home. You can do it when you're young. You can do it when you're old. You can do it when you're healthy and able to get out and conquer the world. You can do it whenever you're infirm and sitting in a wheelchair. You can do that at any time of your life, in any circumstances. You can live your life to please the Lord. Now that is just, to me, a key that, that just breaks open my ability to be down and, and dejected and depressed. When I think, okay, well, who are you living for right now? Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to get all this stuff in order for? You know, I can live a life that will be pleasing to Him. And I want to tell you a secret. That God can be pleased. Now, you know, in church sometimes, we kind of throw out the idea that no matter what you do, it's never good enough. Has anybody ever felt that? That you're never going to get there, you're never going to be able to do enough, you just can't do it. But I want to tell you a little secret. That's not true. The Lord can be pleased. We read a little passage in, in chapter, I mean in Psalm 103. They said, God is like a father who has compassion on his children. He remembers who we are. He knows we are dust. He can be pleased. He can be proud of you. And while we're kind of running here and there, let's take another little turn and talk to you fathers for a moment. One of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to be a father who can be pleased. Because there are men in this world that it doesn't seem like whatever you do, you can ever please them. And for some reason, we almost have gotten that as a pattern of fatherhood at times. That we're always moving the bar. That we're always saying just a little more, a little more. The greatest gift you men can give your children and your grandchildren is to be a person who can be pleased. My wife and I laugh. There's a, there's a line in a movie, and I'll confess the movie too. It's Christian. It's Christian. <laughs> I wish it were. Christmas Vacation. There we go. Now, when I bring up movies like this, please, I'm not endorsing the whole movie because I don't watch the bad parts, you know. So anyway, but, but that movie has so many lines that have become a part of our family lingo. And one of them is that when Clark has decorated the house with all the lights, and anybody know this movie? You know, three people? Okay, good. He, he's put all this work into decorating the house, and he finally stands out there after you know, going through all the trials and tribulations of actually getting the lights to work. And there they are. They're on, and the light is... And the father-in-law, I think it is, looks at him and says, Well, the little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. You have thousands of lights, and the one thing that's not going on, the one thing that's not working, boom, there it is. So anytime one of us seems to find a fault out of all the good, 
The other one of us will say, and the little lights aren't twinkling. On a more serious note, there was another movie that I saw years ago. This just really stayed with me. I saw it when I still had kids at home, and it really made an impression on me because I wanted not to be that person. And it was a movie about Lane Frost, the bull rider, uh, the cowboy, and eight seconds. Yeah, what drove that, that young cowboy to please his father? He wanted to do something that his father would finally say, that was good. He won the world championship. What did his father say to him? Yeah, but can you do it next year? <laughs> wow. So fathers, if, if you want to be a father that brings life to your family, be a father that can be pleased and let your children know you are pleased. And what else you will do when you do that is that you will teach your children that God is a God who can be pleased. Because God didn't just call himself father for nothing. There's a big connection there. And so many times we learn who God is through who our parents are. And it's hard not to make those connections, isn't it? And whenever we have parents that can be pleased, we learn that God is a God who can be pleased. Paul came to believe that. He came to believe that what he did could really be pleasing to the Lord, so therefore he set that as his goal. You know, that really was the only thing that changed when he became a Christian. Well, I say the only. It was the biggest thing that changed. Paul was already a very moral person. He was a Jewish scholar and a Jewish teacher. He was a person who worshipped God intensely already. He did all these things. But what changed was his life goal. What changed was he decided to be a man who lived to please the Lord Jesus Christ. We can make that same commitment today. We can decide that today will be a day no matter what's going on. If it's a day where I've got to face adversity, if it's a day where I've got to face pain, if it's a day where I've got to go to work, if it's a day where I've got to whatever, I'm going to do it in a way that pleases the Lord. So that at the end of the day, whenever I look back, I may not have made all the right decisions. I may not have sold everything I could sell. I may not have done this. I may not have pleased this person. I may not have pleased that person. But I can lay my head on the pillow knowing that the Lord was pleased with me today. May God bless us as we set this goal. May God bless us as we live our life to bring glory and honor to him. Let's stand and sing together.